Hello and welcome to episode three of the Hashtag Product Design Podcast. For those of you who don't know or couldn't guess by the title, this is a series of talks where I'll be picking the brains of industry experts exploring different topics within product and design. I have the pleasure of being joined by Guilherme Simois and today we'll be exploring the two main topics of being a hiring manager during hyper growth phases and why the design market is so competitive right now. Guilherme, again, pleasure to have you on here. Please could you start just by giving a quick overview of you and your career so far? For sure. Thanks, Matt, for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. Um, yeah, I think it's a really important topic to discuss. I think it'll, I don't see enough people, you know, uh, talking about the design industry and how tricky it can be, it can be sometimes. Oh, yeah, so my, a little bit of introduction on my side. I've been working as a designer for about 15 years now. Uh, on the last three years, I've been working as a design manager in a, in a fairly large company. And yeah, so I've learned a lot about the craft, uh, for sure, like working for 13 plus years on, on that. Um, and then I switched into like people management stuff. So it was really, really uh, like a, a big, big shift in my career. I've learned so much about, you know, what makes designers um, do their work properly and how, what makes designers excited about the work and, and how to retain possibly uh, designers as well. So I think it's uh, it's a very, uh, very good topic to discuss. I hope I can help. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I just wanted to <clears throat> very quickly before we jump in, just talk about your your transition um, from uh, coming over mm -hmm. to, to Germany and working in the German market as well. How did you find that transition from your from your home country over to, to working in the, in Germany? Yeah, yeah. So I am originally from Brazil, and um, I mostly worked there in the Brazilian uh, industry, the Brazilian market. Um, at some point, <clears throat> I really wanted to have an you know. Um, uh, an experience working abroad and working with uh, more multicultural teams and, and, and stuff like that. <clears throat> and I was following up my, my engineer friends and they were like trying to get jobs and finding jobs outside of Brazil. Um, at, at the beginning, I think a lot, of, a lot in Latin America and then the US and then certain countries were opening themselves more for uh, foreigners or for people to join as, um, as immigrants. So um, with design, I think it was a bit tricky, let's say four or five years ago. Uh, because of visa uh, issues, uh, normally it's not that easy to get a skilled migration visa as a designer because we are, we were not perceived as a as a necessary skill, uh, so mm. to speak. So engineering and, and medical um, skills, like of course, like if you are if you're an engineer, if you're a doctor, if you are um, a nurse, you, you do have a lot more opportunities to to migrate to another country. Um, but then I started researching and I had opportunity to work remotely from Brazil to another company uh, based in Ireland. And it was such an amazing experience, mostly like working with people from everywhere. And I got, I got hooked. I just, I just needed to work more on that type of environment. Uh, and at that point I was, I was pretty exhausted with my current work back then. And my wife also, she's a designer as well. She also wanted an experience, um, somewhere else. I think it was a, a great moment for both of us. And I just started researching and, and talking to some recruiters, and mm. I've learned that uh, the hot, the hot cake, the hot, you know, place to be, it would be Berlin. I think Berlin mm. was opening it, um, itself a lot. I think four, five, six years ago, and mm. now it's just crazy. And I've seen <laughs> so many of my Brazilian friends, Brazilian designer friends, moving here. A few other places as well. I think even London was a hot, a hot thing in the past. Yeah. But now it's a bit harder. Yeah. 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 For sure. I completely agree. I think. Um... I think something that's really interesting is the the different design cultures there are from you know coming from a place like Brazil and then coming over to Berlin. I've seen a lot of the hiring managers that I deal with see a lot of differences from just standard sort of design processes and things yeah. that are in the design process from people that are coming from Brazil. It's very different to how I think people are taught 
in Germany to, you know, as a designer doing design courses, the, the yeah. way that things are done are very different over there. And they, they, you know, a lot of it's massively beneficial and actually a lot better than it is <laughs> taught in, in Germany. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of talent. Um, hiring managers specifically have, have told me, you know, the Brazilian market is a great place to, to look for designers and a lot of a lot of them are open to coming over now, which is great. As you mentioned, Berlin is such a hot market for, for design right now. And it's uh, it's crazy for sure. And of course, we'll delve deep, a little bit deeper into that um, within the topic. So, yeah, obviously, the first two, the, the two topics we wanted to discuss were being a hiring manager during a hyper growth phase, which you have had relevant um, experience of recent in that phase as well and also why the design market is so competitive right now but we'll jump straight into the first topic so mm -hmm. hyper growth phases um you know we've seen a lot of businesses in berlin specifically of recent um go through these types of, of phases so i just wanted to talk to you a little bit more in depth about First and foremost, how did you find it overall as an overall experience being a hiring manager during that hyper growth phase? Um, I think it's definitely a unique opportunity for any designer to grow very fast. Um, so the thing I used to say is that I've had a lot of um, opportunity to see people get hiring, people getting hired and, and companies growing, but just on the background, just like work, working as an individual contributor. And, and seeing the way people are assessing skills and stuff like that. So uh, because I've worked with, as, a, as an individual contributor for so long, I think it's easier for me. And I think in my case, it was easier to just understand what would be compelling to a designer to. So here, not, in, not that I'm telling any lies, but just the way you frame things, the way you show the company is uh, operating, the way the design team is, is set up and the way the challenges are, you know, uh, and opportunities are available to them. Um, I think it was a lot easier for me, but the skills of actually hiring and actually creating a hiring plan, working with talent acquisition managers and, and, and such, it was very tricky because I've never did that before. So the first thing was like learning how to interview properly. So I did some quick courses on behavioral interviewing and, and some, some things like that, which is really important. I think um, I was mostly leaning towards like technical questions and trying to assess hard skills, um, but I knew for sure that the most important thing was to assess the soft skills and this is really hard i think you you can you can take a stab at it i think you can you can try to do a good job like it's never guaranteed um but there's a lot of techniques that you can apply to just try to eliminate some of the biggest concerns you might have when hiring someone so yeah um just a quick uh, background um um story on how this happened to me like i was working i joined this company hello fresh and uh, I was the designer number six. We actually had more people, but they left because the company was shifting to a very small company to a big one. And naturally, you, you lose a few people. Yeah. Um, and uh, now we are about 60. So we grew, we grew, we've grown like 10x, um, which was insane. So at mm. some point, uh, my, my uh, most, almost, uh, mostly my full-time work was hiring, interviewing, um, uh, screening um, CVs and talking to um, talent acquisition managers all the time, trying to see what would be the best fit for individual specific positions we're opening. So yeah, it was a it was a really challenging uh, phase, but I loved it, and that's why I yeah. think I fell in love with being a manager because mm -hmm. it starts from hiring for sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think 
any any type of hiring process is always tough as you mentioned measuring i think the common mistake is to focus too much on the hard skills you know can this can this person do it of course it's a very important part but i think berlin specifically you know a lot is built on culture fit and you know making sure people mold into the team and a good fits from a personality perspective um as much as possible and, and it is very hard to test that especially when yeah. you're only interacting with them maybe for half an hour an hour at a time or something like that it's very difficult to get a, get a gauge of that um but yeah you said that it pretty much became a full-time full-time job you know the, the hiring process when you're going through such a growth phase hiring that many designers what were the what were the most important things i'd say from a from a hard skill and soft skill perspective um what were the most important factors that you were looking for during the, that growth phase when you were interviewing people what were the most important factors you were looking for there um, yeah, I think there's a few things. Um, for, I think the first, the first thing is to understand what the company wants, right? What the company is looking for. Mm. Uh, we are lucky enough to have a, a set of uh, DNAs. Um, we have a very strong culture, which is which was started when the company started. So it was really easy to explain how we apply that in our day to day. So I think that was something that was really powerful to to use during that process. Um, but the thing is mostly trying to understand. Uh, from a skill set perspective, um, we are always having this, this debate on should we find people who are like T-shaped professionals, should be like someone who is really proficient in one thing, but can also apply and, and, and accomplish more things and do more of the design process, or should we just try to find more localized talents mm. for UI, for UX, or for research and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it was always a debate, and we're still debating that. Um, we are shifting a little bit, so we are always testing things around because now we have enough people to just see um specific skill sets and just shift those designers to work a little bit more towards those, those skill sets but back then because we didn't have enough people uh you need people that can do everything like end-to-end -end, um mm. process from a little bit of research at the beginning or working with a researcher uh to like working with design system components implementing that within our libraries and handing over things to developers so I would say this is the trickiest part for smaller companies. You definitely want to get someone with a very broad uh, talent uh, or skills. Um, that's why I see, like, especially for mid-sized to small companies, the trend is normally to hire at least a very experienced mid-level designer to senior designer and above. And uh, what the problem I see on that is that it, it, we lose the opportunity to actually train people internally, which is really powerful. I always, I always believed in that. Mm. I've had the chance to... Uh, to develop myself in companies that they gave, gave me opportunity, although I didn't have the experience. And this is why I've grown and I've learned so fast. And um, so, yeah, I think the balance of having like some junior designers, some sort of um, mentorship um, structure mm. in place so you can develop people internally. So those designers normally are the ones that are sticking with the product and with the company longer because, you know, they have more to, to, to gain from that mm. experience. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's a big issue in the market at the moment. The the amount of mid level senior product design positions that I see in comparison to entry level or junior positions is crazy. You know, I very rarely see a junior design role that's advertised or you know people are looking for that type of thing. So I think the common the common theme at the moment is that people people just want somebody who can hit the ground running. Um, yeah. But I think. <laughs> it's so tough to find someone that can do that even you know the most seasoned people or the season the best designers out there if they're joining a new company with a new culture new process new product there is going to be some form of vesting period where you know it's going to be one two three months of them just getting to know the product the team 
asking lots of questions, understanding things. So that I don't think there's there is very uh, rarely a case unless probably someone who's worked there before who's left and then joined again. <laughs> I don't think someone's going to be able to come in and be like, yeah, I'm I've cracked it. I can just get get uh, working straight away and just be the you know, amazing designer that I know I am. I think there's always going to be a certain wearing in period. I think. The investment into young talent who are coming out of you know the courses or university is is lacking massively across the board now i think people are so focused on hiring seniors hiring middle levels because yes you know you will get quicker success but we'll go on to talk about it a little bit later the retention rate of mid-levels to seniors is is pretty poor at the moment um because there's there's so much competition out there so much um so many opportunities out there that people are just getting swayed left right and center by by new things but Going back to the hyper growth phase point, um, what problems did you incur or face during these hyper growth phases? Um, I think the the more the class the classic one is finding good talent and getting a healthy pipeline of people uh, applying, and then going through the screening process and, and all the other steps of interviewing. Um, so I think it's, we tweaked and we changed so much the, the the interview process and even the amount of interviews. So mm. the we started with. Um, I think six, I think it was six interviews in total, including a challenge, design challenge or design uh, take home um, assessment. Yeah. And uh, we reduce, I think right now we are in about four to five, depends on the seniority of the position. Um, so it was, that was always tricky to, to first of all, have enough people in that pipeline so we can have those interviews happening mm. and get, you know, get the people that you need on a timely manner, which is really hard. Um, that's one. And I think the other thing is when I touched the, the design challenge thing, it's, it's, it might seem trivial, but that's a really big discussion industry wide. <clears throat> yeah. How do you, sure. how do you, how do you assess talent? How do you assess uh, the ability of someone to, to deliver the craft and to deliver the work? Um, especially nowadays, I think in, in my days, like I'm, I'm a fairly old guy in the industry. <laughs> I didn't have at all like boot camps and you, you were, you were either like self-taught or mm. you didn't even have that many resources. Like on online, you could find a few yeah. things um but it was very basic right so you either go into like information architecture a little bit of ui uh, mm. ux was a thing that was just coming up it was, yeah it concept wasn't, really wasn't it it was, it was mm. just a concept so it's a combination mm. of things but nowadays you have like those uh boot camps who just join you have the full thing they will teach you like, the whole thing mm. and plus they will teach you how to get a job so sometimes um uh, i think it's a great thing i'm not 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 saying it's yeah. not the only thing is that sometimes it's really hard to assess because if you see the end projects for those boot camps they are fairly similar in terms of you know process and quality mm. and, and steps and everything else. So uh, the question at the end is like, is this person capable of delivering this thing in, in a real life situation with yeah. different types of pressures? I have stakeholders to, to account for. You have uh, different you know challenges regarding timeline. You have to deliver something. Uh, so I think a combination of those things, it, it's a very tricky mm. thing to assess. So um, I think all in all, you need to, understand really deeply what you need so what i'm seeing right now is this companies that are <coughs> investing on if they're starting a design team from scratch they would invest on very senior like a small very senior uh team so they're able to deliver very quickly so the ramp up time is very very mm. small um and then as soon as you have that you know the ball rolling rolling and then you you get uh you start getting more mid-level to junior designers mm. i think that's a really good you know yeah. approach uh for us it was mostly trying to find i think mid-levels were were like the the biggest amount of people biggest amount of skills skill set mm. people that we, we we got for a long time i think for one or two years we invested heavily on that because we understood that mid-levels could grow into senior designers fairly easily and then um they had enough 
you know, understanding from their previous jobs to just, you know, deliver the work yeah. really quickly. Yeah. 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 I know you, you touched upon um, boot camps and things there. I, I completely agree. I think the courses are great. Um, I think they give people an opportunity to learn very quickly, you know, what a design process looks like and what needs to be included in there. But I do also agree. And I think I've spoken to, to hiring managers recently about this is that a lot of their portfolio work, if it was recent, it's going to look very, very similar because a lot of them have done the same courses or done the same projects, worked on the same projects. And it's not, as you said, it's not time pressured. Um, it's not um, budget pressured, potentially. Um, it's not a, yeah. necessarily a real life scenario where there are deliverables that have to be um, focused on and, and done in certain amounts of time. Um, and they do they do suffer from that because, as I said, the amount of junior positions or entry level positions is minimal right now. I think what, what I've also seen a little bit of a trend of is that um, some more junior designers join startups or early stage companies that are really early stage, but they join as the only designer there. Um, mm -hmm. The company wants a designer that can come in and, and help them grow or get them where they need to be or potentially build um, early stage design systems or basic design processes to get them where they need to be. But I speak to so many of them and a lot of the time it's, yeah, you know, I've taken on lots of responsibility and you know, I've enjoyed it. I've, I've, I've done, I'm pretty much responsible for everything designed there, but they haven't yeah. had the chance to learn the, the full trade yet. Yeah. You know, they're still yeah. very early on beginners in their, in their trade and they haven't had the chance to you know bounce off seniors or be around seniors, more senior people to learn from and really understand what needs to, to needs to happen. So they end up working there for maybe one or two years and then their next position is very difficult to get because they don't necessarily have the yeah. full the team skills. experience. Yeah. yeah. The team experience. Whereas but then you've got, as I said, you've got the other part where there's not too many junior positions open for them to gain that experience. So I think juniors are really suffering at the moment to really try and find a good position where they're going to be able to progress in their career and, and be invested in, let's say. Um, what advice would you give to, to juniors or people who are doing boot camps at the moment in terms of what they should do after the boot camps are finished and, and you know where to go from there? Um, yeah, that's a, a tough question. I think there's a few things that I might mention. Um, I think during those courses, especially if you're sometimes you're switching from a different different um, discipline, you're coming from. I don't know. I've seen like people coming from psychology, from yeah, for from sure, anything you can imagine, like to design because they mm -hmm. have have had contact with design in some way and they, they understood that mm -hmm. it was a really nice thing to do. Which is always the best best reason to to start working as a designer. Um, and uh, normally, our people are very passionate about you know when they find out exactly what design is and what product design can do for products. Uh, it's something that takes you like very strongly. Um, so I would say like first thing is, the, I think the boot camps and some some of those quicker courses uh, they would try to come up with a way of teaching you the whole spectrum of things you need to learn. And it's a law. It's a law. So you need at some point you need to define exactly which direction you would like to focus a little bit more. Mm. Um, so the advice I could give is like from from a from a real life perspective working on a company, uh, at least personally, the way I assess designers is mostly about team, uh, teamwork, collaboration. Um, I think there's a lot about the way you communicate yourself with people above you, below you, and in the same level as you. Um, there's a, a lot of small like soft. Um, skills that you need to develop that you definitely can use the opportunity of a bootcamp to learn. Why? Because you do have mentors, you have people with experience in the industry. And um, I think sometimes people get 
very hooked into the hard skills and the UI stuff. I think learning Figma, learning tools. Mm. I think it's very, it's very charming. Something you really sometimes mm. get trapped just on that. Yeah. Um, I like to believe that hard skills you can learn fairly easily. Uh, learning tools mm. is not that, that hard. Uh, mm. You can learn on the job for sure. But the soft skills like working with the team and especially like learning stuff uh, like Scrum or Agile techniques and mm. how do companies apply those things into their teams. Normally, companies, tech companies, they have the same structure, right? So they normally yeah, sure. work with cross-functional teams. We're going to yeah. be working with engineers. We're going to be working with product owners, product managers, uh, quality assurance engineers, and, and, and so on. So how, how does it work? You can find resources online explaining how the mm. dynamics of a team happens and the way it works. So I think if you nail that, if you, if you understand, even on a conceptual level, how tech teams and how engineering teams, how product teams operate, I think it's a very, really good... Um, you can up up your game when you're when you're applying to jobs. Even if you don't have the experience, show me that you are knowledgeable about the importance of the designer as a glue that would you know put all of those pieces together when you are delivering a feature or a product. Uh, that's the most important thing. So understand mm. the bigger picture, and then you can go on the details like how to how to yeah. craft uh, you know products, which is mm. I'm, I'm I'm fairly simplifying that, but it's easier than yeah, yeah, sure. than the the yeah, soft skills, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting point of view. I think the the focus on hard skills, as you mentioned, can be too much of a focus for for junior designers or people going through those boot camps. Because yes, you know they are the hard skills that you need to become a designer. But I think design is one of the most collaborative positions that you have at a tech company because you do collaborate with lots yeah. of different industries, lots of different stakeholders, your team members, other team members from engineering teams and marketing and things like that. So yeah, I think having a better focus on the soft skills and trying to explore resources online and potentially look into courses from scrum and agile methodologies and things like that is, is a great place to start um okay cool now going a bit more back towards the uh, the hyper growth phases now we talked a little bit more about the problems that you face um obviously mm -hmm. trying to find the talent having a good level of pipeline coming through understanding and assessing why these people could be good fits for you um on the flip side what were the successes that you had successes um yeah i think it's a lot just just the fact that i'm i'm getting to know so many so many great people so many talented people um i've got to talk to them every day which was amazing you have different backgrounds different expectations different experiences so i i am completely uh i'm a person that likes to conduct interviews as a conversation like we're having now anything that would be uh, super strict, super formal. Anything that would cause some sort of um, tense tension to mm. the process, I, I'm not. I, I'm not into that because what you're trying to find is mostly like how that person is in their real life, and it's really hard to do it, especially with this just virtual mm. uh, environment we're going through. Yeah, now. sure. Um, so I like to have a very open conversation. I try to be as open as possible about the challenges we have, about the problems and the good things mm. we have. So I think that the best things that happened to me was like definitely the people that I managed to to, to hire. You know, going through the entire process and seeing that person mm. receiving an offer, seeing someone moving from a different country uh, to Berlin to Germany, um, and starting off with the company. I've seen some people doing that and growing, and now they're design leads. Um, so it's really, really rewarding. I think it's a process that I, I think the back to the discussion of hiring juniors. I think if you if you're looking in the short term, it's always it doesn't pay off, right? Because you have someone with not enough experience, so you have to invest, as you said, is investing, yeah, sure. investing a lot yeah. of time. But 
having someone if you if you if you see the potential if you understand that a person can be a good designer investing on in that person and seeing that person grow and just thriving and becoming mm -hmm. someone that would influence positively the company sure. and other designers i can tell you like it, it pays it pays off it takes a while mm -hmm. uh so i would say it takes two three years for, so you can mm -hmm. understand how this whole thing would work yeah uh but it pays off it pays off so if of course yeah. if you're on a budget if you need to get the product up and running really quickly it's a different discussion um mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah i would say it's design is not as pragmatic and not as easy to measure as engineering we don't work with a task-based system mostly yeah uh, it's a combination of a lot of subtle things that needs to come in place together in a nice way and depending on the pressure of the, the delivering stuff and the company context that might be really tricky so yeah it's a it's a subtle game so i think i've learned a lot through this process that's was that was another good thing for me yeah. personally yeah 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 i mean obviously this the, the key success was growing that team or seeing a team of six you being the sixth member grow to 60 people you know it's a, yeah. a huge increase and as you said you get to meet a lot of new people from different cultures different backgrounds and really get to understand them as as designers and and people as well what what do you think you would have changed looking back at yourself or looking back at the hyper growth phase that you went through from from today's date what do you think are a few things that you would have changed throughout that process to maybe make it better or more efficient do you think uh, yeah so i'm always i'm always thinking about that um i think having um <clears throat> so just a, a little bit of context as well sometimes in a company where when you are even if you're a people manager you're working with uh you have some reports and you are part of the recruiting process uh especially when the company is growing you're not responsible for all the steps you're not responsible for dictating like how the uh how many interviews you're going to have and how mm. the process would come up um but definitely if you can i think that the thing that i would change is getting more involved because when i started hiring i did have a lot of opening because we didn't have we didn't even have like a, a design director or anything i was just yeah. reporting to the cto back then so i did had a lot of uh opportunities to, to say what i wanted to see happening um so i think working very closely and having a really good relationship with the talent acquisition managers i think they're amazing people like as yourself like recruiter re recruiters like you know how to assess specific things on people like try to learn how to ask the right questions try to learn how to um how to really properly go through the process uh so i've had really good discussions i've worked with like five six maybe almost ten um tas in the past and mm. uh i've learned so much on techniques and, and how to improve the design process how to improve the design uh, hiring process we have removed some steps we tested out a lot of things like being very open to testing and getting the also the opinions from people that got rejected for some reason uh, trying to get because if you do the process yeah. nicely people would be very open to say like i think this this part of the process doesn't feel well so i'm happy to say because i remember on glassdoor i was checking back then i don't know now but uh we had a very positive review on people who didn't get an offer because they yeah. said like the process was very human so i think definitely i would keep like that i, I think yeah rushing is bad unless you, you need to rush like don't mm. rush with the process because yeah you will find the right people and that would pay off uh right now we have a lot of opportunities to just fill in the gaps or of not having designers we can get you know top tall stuff we can get some designers uh, freelancers there's a lot of really talented people very, very expensive but for a while until you find the right person i think it's, yeah. it, it, it's something you can do um yeah so those are a few things yeah for off. sure i completely agree with you on the um maintaining a good reputation even if people are getting rejected for for certain reasons i think there are too many companies out there that especially ones that are going through massive growth phases that think 
oh, you know, we're, we're, we're so busy. We don't have time to reject people. You know, can you reject them on our behalves and stuff like that? I think, look, you know, I, as an external recruiter, I'm always going to, you know, speak mm-hmm. to people, have those difficult conversations about rejections and things like that. But sometimes I don't get any feedback. You know, I don't get any feedback as to why this person has been rejected or all they send is just an email saying, sorry, we've gone, we, we've decided not to go forward with your application or something like that. That doesn't help anyone at all especially if you're working with external party here because yeah if you're rejecting if a company's rejecting someone and you don't provide us any feedback as to why they are or or the candidate any feedback as to why they're being rejected we don't know what to do with the next candidate you know we don't know why <laughs> you know why I mean, this how, can you, how can you improve the process if you don't have exactly the, yeah you know the, yeah the and rejection. i think i think asking the candidates for their feedback is just as important as providing them feedback as well because you want to understand how your process is what you know why if you if you're not hiring people you know for some reason let's say you did analysis of when people were dropping out it was the fourth stage it was the design task stage or it was the hiring manager stage or something like that if you don't Mm -hmm. ask for feedback or you don't do own reviews on your own hiring process you will never learn the reasons why people aren't joining you um you know some sometimes it, it it might be a specific person you know you might realize that they're speaking every there's a common trend they're speaking to this person at this point and then a lot of people are dropping out after that point well let's assess how they interview people you know what's what's the common theme here if you don't ask for the candidate's feedback at that point no one will understand well you know he, he's asking me the same questions that i'm getting asked in, in other interview stages already or something like that you know it's uh yeah, i think yeah. i think i think the more stages you have as well the the more risk you have of repetition there um because a lot of the time you know between hiring manager between maybe cross-functional hiring manager or something like that the questions are commonly going to be the same and it's about the sharing of information between <laughs> between yeah. different parties and hiring managers there as well yeah and also this is something i've seen a lot like um and when i mentioned that you don't have full control of the, the steps mm. you don't even yeah. know sometimes who is going to be interviewing in these other steps right um and sometimes unfortunately in smaller companies you don't have enough trained people to go through mm. that process and i've seen that so many times especially with design you would have someone with no experience in interviewing uh mm. just conducting some like a fairly important interview let's say um an engineer conducting an interview about team collaboration or something like that. Um, and sometimes it can feel very awkward. You can even draw like draw the candidate back on their decision or join the company, mm-hmm. join the company just because they had one bad interview. Yeah. Um, so I think companies should definitely offer some sort of support on whoever is part of the interviewing process. There's a lot mm-hmm. of resources, there's a lot of training, coaching sure. and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, I think getting people to understand the importance of, you know, uh, interviewing in general and finding talent, it, it's it's not a trivial thing, as you know, like it's yeah. your job. So it's yeah. something you, you, need, you need some time to to build that knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of you know the, <clears throat> the a lot of industry leaders, just generally across business and tech and, and things like that, a lot of the time their their main focus is you know the reason why their companies are <clears throat> so successful is because either them or the people they've employed are the best at finding the best people for them. Um, yeah. And ev- everyone is trained specifically to understand what they're looking for, the culture that they're trying to create, and they they don't accept anything different. And a lot of the, the best companies out there are the ones who can attract the best people for their specific business. And, and I think, and, 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 yeah. And, yeah. And we shouldn't be fooled that if you have a nice, um, you know, a, a, a very nice and attractive product, that mm. will be enough to retain talent. It's yeah. not the case. Uh, no. People are attached to other people. They're attached to nice, yeah. uh, you know, well-structured teams that mm. people care about each other. So it feels very <laughs> optimistic and very yeah. you know, fluffy. But yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, like this is what would retain designers. I've had designers like with much better opportunities mm. 
dropping them off just to stay with the company or join this company. Uh, even when he, when it was that that big, uh, the salary was not that good compared to others. Uh, but when you find a place where you feel like, okay, this is comfortable to yeah. me, I can grow, I can learn here. Uh, this is like this is what makes them to make a decision, and this is yeah. what gets them to stay. Ultimately, that's that's what I learned as well. Yeah, yeah. sure, sure. I think everyone knows salary is an important part of a, of of a course, job, yeah. but but most most people I've worked with, design wise specifically, are much more focused on the growth opportunity, the company, the people they're going to be working with. They'll actually accept less salary they'll sacrifice their salary because of those things as opposed to getting a higher salary with someone they're a bit unsure of. Um, yeah. Now, last question or last bit about the hyper growth phase that I wanted to cover off Guillermo was, I think a lot of the time I've seen, as you, as you mentioned something back, you said, don't rush, you know, don't rush into it. Don't, mm-hmm. don't rush because you will find the right people. Eventually you have to sacrifice time sometimes just to try and find the right people. Do you feel that quality sometimes was sacrificed because of time pressure or budget pressure um, or delivery delivery pressure um, to hire people. Uh, yes, <laughs> it was, um, and it's like it's it's um, it's it's crazy to think that sometimes you are you were just tempted to just make a quick decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think especially when the process is not that clear in terms of how you're assessing the soft skills and how you're doing yeah. the behavioral questions in the entire process, um, it's really, really easy to fall into um, a bias direction when you have the, a certain person that is ultimately responsible for making the decision of hiring that person or not. So let's say you do have the interviews with several people, you have design yeah. needs, you have designers, uh, engineers, and maybe some executive uh, person within the company mm-hmm. to interview the end. Um, it's important to understand, like, how do we, how we, how are we making the decision at the end? Like, is this a combination? Are we having this uh, meeting at the end where, where everyone can disclose like what they thought about the candidate, like pros and cons, and then you can make an informed decision. And I've seen that step being skipped a few times. Like, there's no like that. You just you're just you just interview someone. You don't know what what happens next. Yeah. And you're just waiting for it to, to see like sometimes you even we do have the scorecards we have to fill in within our system most companies do have those um sometimes you your assessment is a no like it's, it's not a good fit for several reasons you do write all this stuff in there and then at the end you see the person joining the company anyways and then you try to get the information so this is very common because the company is growing so much you have more people involved and the pressure of getting more and more designers that's what lends on this lends us on this uh, situation and um, I did see like no problems that we found with certain designers, like behavioral problems or uh, just just plainly like people not, you know, being a good fit to the, to the way we do things. Um, think about this, you know, um, cultural fit, which is not the best term. I think most companies use that yeah, in the way. Yeah. Um, but hiring people that were clearly not a good fit um, happened a few times. And I can tell like, the exit rate for those are a lot higher and it costs yeah. it costs a lot more to the company sure. especially in germany it's really hard to just you know yeah. not not work with someone anymore you have to have very strong reasons there's a full mm. process for that um so yeah i've seen that uh it's normal i think as you are growing you need to grow your team from x to 10x it's mm. it's very it's almost impossible that's not going to happen mm. um but it's a one-to-one relationship like the quicker you go, the sometimes you're lucky, but the quicker you go, the 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 amount of steps you're reducing, you know, uh, if you're reducing the conversation, just making snappy decisions about something, 
it tends to not go well. That's that's mm. a very easy equation. Yeah, that's, that's yeah, yeah. I think it's a really difficult thing to balance out because I'm I'm a big believer that if you really want someone, you need to try and get them through that interview mm-hmm. process as as quickly as possible because. As we as we said at the start, the market is so so competitive right now. However, I also understand that trying to assess quality and culture fit and everything for for them, if you rush them through the process or speak to them very quickly and, and don't really get a gist of of how well they actually fit, you yeah. do run the risk of it not working out and then being being in the same position, having to hire again in the next you know two three six months, let's say. Um, one last question on this topic, uh, Glemma. Something that you brought up there was was interview process and rushing and things like that. Mm-hmm. During a hyper growth phase, um, what do you think the best interview process looks like? Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell, like maybe the best that we have gotten so far. Um, yeah. So first of all, I think a nice a nice screening process from from our talent acquisition managers. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, there needs to be a, a fairly good understanding from that person on what we're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. Because if you have a funnel with a lot of people who are clearly not good fits, you would waste a lot of time going through CVs, yeah. which is a pain that sometimes. Sure. Um, so I think nice uh, a nice screening process. And then I would say like you do need a designer talking to that person right away as soon as you can, because a designer can tell when another designer is a good fit mm-hmm. or not especially if they're working for the company for a while and then they can tell like, okay, I think this might be a good fit because, because of the reasons that I know myself. Sure. <clears throat> so the best experience I've had with our process is not the process we have right now. Uh, it's the hardest one to get. So the first interview was a TA plus a designer on the same interview. Why is that good? I think, first of all, you train designers just by shadowing someone with a lot of experience on interviewing. Uh, you do get a very like first-hand opinion on, from a designer on how that person went on this first interview. Normally, it's just thirty minutes or forty minutes just to see like general like cultural mm-hmm. things and skills, yeah. skill set type of questions. So it's fairly easy for a designer to to learn how to ask some of those questions and take part of those interviews. Uh, I've seen like it it, it it speeds up the process quite fairly quite fairly good because fairly well because if you increase the quality on the top of the funnel, I think it gets a lot of the next steps a lot easier, uh, if that makes sense. So after doing that, you would have a design challenge or some way to assess their portfolio. So you can sure. do a portfolio assessment, just talk through uh, some of your experience on one project mm. you have on your portfolio or something like that. We did have, and we still have a home test. So we send over the home test. If you if you see that person has good opportunity, good um, good um, good potential, sorry. And uh, once you receive back, you would have an interview with one very experienced designer, most likely a design lead, and uh, another designer which might not be that experienced. So that's another opportunity for you to train. And what I'm telling you, this is the best process because you are also mentoring other designers to learn how the process of interviewing Mm. works. Uh, So you would have someone, two people interviewing during technical interview. They would go through the process of checking the home test and crafting some questions assessing those questions with uh, the hiring manager yeah. to see if, if they're correct. Uh, and then once you finalize that, I would say that a la- this is just one more interview needed. I would say we had, uh, at some point we had two, we had executive interview, which was um, even, it could be like a product manager or a sometimes even a C-level um, person from the company interviewing just to give a general, yeah. you know, broader understanding of, uh, of the company culture to that person and also getting yeah. some of that back. 
Um, but if you do have a senior, very senior designer manager, designer uh, director or VP of design or something like that, you could have that person doing that interview. Mm. I think it's also, also important to, always important to have someone from either engineering or product management to conduct interviews, but I would be very careful if they're trained, if, they, if they're seasoned to do that uh, well enough. But I think that's definitely a good thing. So yeah, I think the last step you could go with either with yeah. someone very experienced from products and then you just make a decision or you can have someone from, yeah. from you know, senior management or a design senior management. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're the, um, you're the second person now who's been on the podcast. The, uh, the last person I had, Shashi, he also mentioned the fact that, and I completely agree. Um, I think it's such a great thing to do by mixing the TA first call with a designer or a hiring manager of some sort, because you avoid wasting so much time with not necessarily a TA. You know, it sounds like the talent partners you had were, were great and you worked really well with them. But some some of the time or a lot of the time, the, the talent partners aren't necessarily the specialists in that specific area. You know, they're hired as a talent specialist across the whole board. So they don't really you know specialize in one specific area. Now, if you can have specialists, it's great because obviously you have their perspective of you know their specialism of recruiting and understanding them and asking the right questions during that interview. But then you also have the design perspective of you know do do is this person actually going to be good enough? Um, and I think that's, it saves so much time and effort, money, investment into the interview process. If you can have those two stages merged. I love the the point that you made about having that step with the, with the more senior person than they are and a more junior person there. Cause one thing you mentioned was, was really important about juniors coming into, into the world of, of design is that, it's it's how you collaborate with all levels of people so people on the same level as you above you and below you and i think if you can you merge that it with the case presentation as you mentioned it's it's amazing because they can talk through the, and the junior can understand how they work and the junior can actually learn from that process but the more senior person understands you know is this person going to be good enough what level are they currently at in comparison to the existing team and things like that which yeah. is which is amazing one last question I wanted to ask you Guillermo, it was something you mentioned about the take home task or case mm -hmm. study presentation or portfolio presentation what do you think is the best part or best task presentation that particular step of assessing this person's skills what do you think is the best way to assess yeah i think that that is the one million dollar questions with this question <laughs> yeah. because it's it, this is something that is debated so um it's so intensely on the web yeah. and on the web because it's 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 there's no there's no one best answer i would say yeah um from my experience at hellofresh I, I still believe that having a specific assessment that is making the, the candidate to work on something for this particular process is more beneficial than just going through a pre-existing uh, case study that they have yeah. put together. The reason for that is, especially if we're working with very experienced uh, designers, if you have a senior designer uh, in the process, it's very easy to put something together that looks very good, that tells a very good story, that looks even too good to be true. Sometimes I've seen that you have like a, such a concise process, all the yeah. steps being followed perfectly. You have data collection, you have yeah. data analysis, and then you have iterations, and then you have this feature being released yeah. to people, um, which is always what we, we're looking for. But it's really tricky sometimes to find, okay, so is this really the way it happened? Like, how, <laughs> what, what, what is the role we played on this? Yeah. Thing? So it's, it's, it's always tricky. So. Yeah. Getting someone to expose themselves and, and do something either live with you or, or creating something, 
I, I don't think it should be anything big. I don't think it should be nah, something yeah. about, I think it should not be something that you, it is clearly like a feature for your own product. I think it's not cool. <laughs> yeah. I think if you, if you can, you should pay them for the time they're spending. Yeah. That. That's, yeah, that's yeah, a good practice. Um, but try and find it. So what are the main, what are the types of problems you, you face within your uh, product development you know, process mm. and try to translate that into something completely different. Try to think of, yeah. okay, what if you had like this type of problem with uh, a, product, a product that is completely different from yours? Uh, how would you tackle this? Uh, show me the process. You don't have to finalize anything. I just want to show you some rough wireframes yeah. because you can assess uh, UI skills very easily. So if you go through their portfolio, you see mm. like, I think there's some nice UI here. Uh, so we're looking for a process, we're looking for a collaboration, we're looking for what would be the touch points that you would have here with stakeholders, with uh, product analysts and, and you know, data uh, folks and data science uh, scientists as well. So how would you do this in real life? I need to understand that. Um, I would say, though, like for, for more junior candidates with not a lot of experience previously to the company, I think you can go a lot easier on that. You can just have maybe, um, you can design a, y, a whiteboard session, you can just go through some you know, trying to come yeah. up with some real life situations. There's even this book called um, Product Design. I think it's Product Design uh, Exercises or something. It's mostly talking about how to solve whiteboarding exercises that yeah. companies normally apply. Um, I think that's a really powerful tool to see how someone would behave within the mm. within a, a real life yeah. environment. Uh, the tricky thing with whiteboard sessions is that if you are a if if you're not comfortable just exposing yourself live in front of someone and just you know, trying to solve yeah. a problem like that, it might be very intimidating. And if you have someone mm. who is a bit shy, you you are taking them away from the opportunity of just yeah. In real life, they might be a bit quieter, but they can do the mm. job. It doesn't, doesn't yeah. mean that you have to be. So it would favor more loud people and people who are more uh, yeah. extroverts. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I completely agree with all the points you've made there, Glenn. I think flexibility is <laughs> one thing that needs to be there in an interview process. You need to base yeah. it off the person that you're interviewing because, as you said, you know, just because someone's a bit more shy it doesn't mean that they can't be a great designer or they couldn't be a great addition to the team yeah, you might just sure. have to adjust it one thing and the reason why i was laughing <laughs> was that um, you spoke about um portfolios and um being able to tell whether they're they're good enough um it looks like a, pe a, a perfect picture or a, a, yeah it, you know it's just a perfect process that they follow during these particular projects and so i i made a video recently that i'm going to publish on mm -hmm. linkedin it's more about cv and, and portfolio advice and something that i mentioned during the portfolio advice was to say <laughs> basically don't paint the perfect picture in your portfolio um, because <coughs> no no and because is, yeah people look at people look at your looking at how you adjust to bad situations that's that's yeah. the most powerful thing yeah so you should have a section on your portfolio or you, on your case study called fuck ups or something like that <laughs> yeah. where you're just yeah. sharing the stuff that did completely yeah. wrong uh, yeah. and if the end of the story is like the feature was never released because yeah. we, we screwed up for some reason yeah that's not a problem at all like if you can no, tell the story yeah. why and if you yeah. can tell the story what you did after that that's that's yeah. what we want to hear so it's not yeah. about a perfect exactly story. yeah and the, that's the exact point i made it was just you need to you need to include the the things you tried and didn't that didn't work out you know what you learned from that process where you went next um because yeah. you know as yourself you know as a hiring manager you you're trying to understand in as much depth as possible about this particular person how they work what their thought process is um how they deal with problems how they deal with things that didn't work out i think especially yeah, in management yeah. management level as well um, <laughs> you know if, if a manager is interviewing for a particular position yeah. you, a lot of the time you are based you are judged on how you deal with things that don't go right you know obviously everyone yes. wants to be everyone wants to be the best manager out, out there but it's about okay this didn't work work this didn't go right or i made the wrong decision here how did you how did you express that to the team how did you deal yeah. with that what did you actually do 
and as a tip for as a tip for candidates i think mostly especially um not so experienced candidates i would say look for companies that would appreciate your your vulnerability so if you can show mm. you because for me like the best this is the most important skill that yeah. someone can have like showing vulnerability and showing that I, i'm not telling you i know everything i'm actually telling you that i don't know a bunch of stuff mm. And if you're interviewing and you see that the company doesn't respect that, they're shifting into something like, oh, but you should know that, right? Yeah. Um, of course, with a few things you should know because it's, yeah. it should be on top of, it should yeah. be exactly the on your basics level. basics of your role, yeah. What's your plan, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Um, but in a way, I think if you show that you, you don't nail everything, you're, you're, you're there to learn as well. Uh, you can you can bring a little bit of you know your knowledge, but you're also taking something to to improve yourself and bring back uh, after a while. So yeah, um, if you find companies that can appreciate that, that's the best type of place to work for sure. Yeah, sure, cool. Now the next sort of bigger topic that we wanted to cover was why the design market is so competitive right now. I think <laughs> a lot of the conversations we've well had in in that hypergrowth phase or discussions were were definitely relevant to this point as well. Um, First question is just why, you know, why do you think the design market is so competitive right now? <laughs> um, I think it's a combination of factors, which is good for designers. I think yeah. I've never seen so many uh, open positions and I've never seen so many designers just finding good jobs and, and finding really sweet opportunities to, to mm-hmm. join. So I would say it's a combination of factors like um, the competition is huge right now. So if you think about any any type of industry within tech, I'm talking mostly yeah, about yeah. tech. Um, fintechs, if you think about health, it's exploding right now. Uh, food is the industry I'm at right now. It's really mm. massive. Um, there's a huge problem with retention, a customer retention. Why? Because there's a lot of competition. So if you have a lot of products doing the same thing or similar things, mm. uh, getting people to stick with your product is really hard. Uh, so back then, I think engineering was the biggest gap because we needed yeah. to make sure that things are up and running. Uh, if you have you have stability, you have uh, security, you have a bunch of those things in place. User experience wasn't much of a problem. Like you, you can retain because you you don't have that many competitors. Your product sure, is probably yeah. okay. Um, but now it's, things are different. Uh, I think companies are trying to exhaust their capabilities on marketing. So trying to you know increase the the funnel size. We have a lot of people coming in. Uh, but it's leaking too much. The churn rate is massive in most of the most products. If you think about SaaS products or mm. uh, e-commerce as well, um, so the only way to solve that is by having a thorough product development process with really consistent application of user-centered techniques, which yeah. is normally coming from designers and also product owners who are really knowledgeable about, you know, design as well. I would say mm. they need to be very aware of design. Yeah. Uh, all those things at the beginning, as I said, it was just a thing, right? UX, it wasn't uh, proper. It was, there was no proper definition for UX and not mm. product design, which is even weirder to, to explain sometimes. Uh, but it's easy to understand the value now than it was before. Yeah. So if you do have a product with a nice user experience, people will stay. That's as easy as it. Yeah. Uh, so a, a product you can think of, if you, I don't know, I think in the, in the UK you do have uh, Volt, right? You have Volt there, the, the uh, food delivery service. We uh, we have many similar things. I don't know if I'll or Deliveroo. Yeah, Deliveroo. Yeah, yeah. Deliveroo yeah. also provides yeah. a really massive, really good user experience mm. versus other products that are fairly worse than that. Yeah. So just purely by having those small, nice, enjoyable yeah. moments and delightful moments within the journey, it's enough for you to retain and to increase the uptake mm. or even like getting um, uh, cross selling, upselling happening. Yeah. So it all depends on design. And I think now companies realize that. So that's why yeah. people are just hiring like crazy. They want to have design teams. They want to have yeah. like, I want to have a good user experience within a product. 
And I think investors are asking for that because if you have big rounds of investment, people are just tossing money at your business. Uh, I think investors are more than aware that mm. if you don't provide a good user experience, your product might not pan out, even if it's a really good idea or concept in the first place. Yeah. So I think that's a common knowledge. That's why I think yeah. there's so many uh, buzz mm. around design. And I think that's never going <laughs> to go away. Uh, no. I, I yeah, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. I think the, the value just the general value of design now is so much more so much greater and so much more accepted across the the tech market than it once was um i think everyone's seeing of course as you mentioned every different industry right now the the best companies or the best products that are out there are the ones that have the best biggest focus on creating that amazing user experience um for for their user base um but yeah i am i I can see different trends as to why it's so competitive (laughs) as well um I think obviously the fact that there are so many opportunities out there right now, I also think that it, the salaries are a massive part of that now as oh, well. Oh, it's, it's improving. It's improving. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I think, you know, when I started in product design recruitment, I, I saw, a, I, I'd probably say on average, maybe like a 10, 10 to 15,000 euro difference between engineers. So I worked in engineering recruitment before and you know, I, I had a good understanding of what the en- typical engineering salaries were like. And when I, when I went into product design recruitment, I did see a little bit of a gap, but I feel like that gap has definitely got lots, a, a lot smaller, even potentially the same as engineers now in, in certain cases and companies yeah. that <laughs> designers are being valued as equally from a salary perspective as they are. Um, why do you think, I know you said retention was a, was a big problem, um, but why do you think designers, I'd, I'd say more, not, not necessarily <laughs> management level, I'd say more from senior down to junior, why do you think designers don't stay at businesses for too long? I think, I mean, average average tenure wise, I'm probably you probably look at maybe a year to two years as the average sort of time a designer would stay at a company. Yeah. But why do you why do you think that is? Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons. Probably uh, I can touch a few of them. Like yeah, sure. my, my assumptions. Um, I think the the combination of I think designers need meaning more than more than other disciplines, and meaning mm. is a very broad word mm. uh it's just like a combination of a vision for what you're doing like if i believe in the product i'm working on i think it's important for designers to believe in what they're working on um people uh having people that i trust having a uh you know a a team culture that is making me safe and then making me like show what i can the best i can and give my best work to to the company um i think career opportunities um, so if you do have a fairly good career progression framework, even if it's very mm-hmm. early stages, you need to have something uh, because I've, I've seen designers, like especially very small companies, they're just there. Mm-hmm. Even they join as a senior designer, even not being that, but they just give yeah. you a title just because <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, yeah. To, get, to get you mm-hmm. hired. Uh, and then you're stuck, right? Because you're yeah. a senior already, but you don't have all the capabilities, all, <laughs> yeah. the, all the skills yeah. to be a senior compared to a large company. Mm-hmm. So you're stuck. Um, so having sort of career progression is also important. And um, yeah, I think those 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 factors are the most important ones. And um, there's a, <laughs> I, I mentioned that people are hiring like crazy. You, you everyone wants to have a nice design team, but not all companies understand what a design team is actually doing, yeah. or what they should do, and what they can do. Yeah. Uh, so I would say the biggest question that designers should be asking, like, how do you how do you see the importance of design within your company? Yeah. Uh, do you do, how do you see design bringing value and money to the business, and not only being a thing that mm. it's just you know adding yeah. a little bit of delight to the product? 
Mm. Um, so if designers are not seeing that the company understands, they know that they will be trapped in, in certain in some points yeah. where I would have to either like super educate people all the time. Like, this is what I do. This is the importance mm. of what I do. And it can be really exhausting. Like when you're working on a company, doesn't understand exactly what you're supposed to do. And you're hearing sometimes even a little bit of prejudice against what you are supposed to be delivering. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it, it causes a lot of stress and it's just like, you know what? I just want to go somewhere that would mm. understand me better. Right. So that's why I think good design leadership is really important. Even if you don't have a designer to manage your designers, mm. at least have someone who is really open to, okay, I want to understand what can you yeah. do and what is what is the potential of this potential of design for our company and let's do it together. Mm. Uh, I think those small things, those subtle conversations and and giving them a prospect of, okay, so we understand this now, let's just try to make it work and let's try to improve and grow the team and mm. there's definitely a path for you to just stay with here stay with, yeah. stay with us stay with the company um so yeah the prospect of future meaning salary and career yeah. um you know outline i think that's important yeah definitely i think those are certainly the main topics there i think one thing you mentioned there that's very important i get asked the question a lot is <laughs> you know how much do the company value design and i think it's a very tough question for me in my position to answer because in honesty i don't know you know i don't know the real ins and outs of all yeah. i can all i can relay is is information that i've been told um <coughs> but the actual the the reality of it is only ever really discovered during interview process and things like that and i explain that to everyone that i work with you know this is what I understand about the business. This is their current design team, the culture that they try and create, how long people typically stay in the, in the role there and, and things like that. If people have left, I, I try to understand what the reasoning is behind that, what their current design mentality is, the maturity of their design team at the moment, um, the problems that they face. But in reality, as I said, I can't really judge on how much they value. It comes a lot from the top, to be honest. Um, I think, yeah, yeah. I think the best, the best companies out there that provide the best opportunities for designers are the ones that have a design minded or a high level design director or someone that sits on the, the, the board of directors or something like that. The higher up someone with a design mentality who, or who comes from a design background, there is a company usually <laughs> what I've seen has created a very safe space or exciting space for their design team to work in but as you said you know some some companies want to build design teams but don't have anyone there existing who knows how to do that yeah. or or effectively how to do that um which can and i think to, to be honest i think well, back to the discussion of, of the hiring process i think we put a lot of effort on trying to understand if the candidate would be a good fit for the company mm. on that on that moment of time um and we have the opportunity then to understand what they want for themselves right so what what are you looking mm. for uh, different seniorities, they would be looking for different things. Yeah. And uh, what I think what I think that most companies do is that they lose that information, that piece of information as soon as you hire. Mm. Okay, so let's start from scratch. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. sometimes you don't engage on that conversation again. So mm. you should have like a, a, a record of okay, so this is what we discussed when we hired yeah. you. Like this is these are the points that you would like to improve. These are the weak points or the strong points you have on your skill set. Uh, so let's get the conversation starting from here and let's make sure you are following a path where you feel like you're growing. Mm -hmm. And I, I might be very idealistic on what I'm going to say now, but you need to develop talent for not for your own company. Like you need to develop talent for the industry because if they yeah. feel like you're not crafting their own careers to solve just a company problem and you're not thinking of them as, as human beings yeah. that eventually will leave the company. Like, so I'm not expecting people to stay for 10 years. Some people will, yeah. but most of them are not realistically. Um, so if you show that you really, you really care about them as, you know, 
designers within an industry context. And if you leave this company tomorrow, you will land a really nice job and acknowledge that. But I really want you to stay. So let's work together to 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 get the best value yeah. for you, but also to keep you keep you providing the value to the come back to the company. Mm. So it's a very like <laughs> even like naive um, I think approach, but understanding people very deeply, especially with design, is really important. Mm. Mm. Designers can be very sensitive. I'm very sensitive. So yeah. I mean, I'm not saying like engineers are not in, in other no, yeah, not, but I'm course, just saying yeah. designers can be, mm. uh, I mean, it's a lot of things you need to learn to be a good designer. And there's a lot of subtlety within those things. Mm. So that's why we we are, tend to be a little more sensitive around, you know, the, the application yeah. of our craft too. Yeah, well, I think <clears throat> I completely understand the, the point you make about sensitivity because I think you guys are at the forefront of understanding the human interaction with your product, you know, the yeah. engineering parts, you know, they're there to build the product, you know, they build the fundamentals of the product and how it, it how it is, is used by, by your users. But essentially you guys, you know, if you're, if you're doing research, if you're conducting user interviews and things like that, you're talking to, you're at the forefront and having that human interaction of understanding why, you know, why people want to use this product. And I think a lot of companies that I've dealt with or, or heard about is that, they don't research is something that's coming into play a lot more. Um, I think people are understanding the value of design as a whole, but also the effectiveness <laughs> of research. But uh, I've spoken to a lot of designers recently that <clears throat> their companies don't really care too much about the research. You know, they, they do a lot of things based off assumption or existing knowledge, or maybe just yeah, things yeah. that the design team think should be done. Right. Or something that I've heard a lot recently is, Oh, the competitor analysis that we do, you know, they're doing this, so let's just do it. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's such a common yeah. thing that happens across mm-hmm. product design. But competitor analysis, yes, I I agree, it is an important thing. So you want to understand what people are doing better than you and how you can implement it. But the first the first point, of course, should always be your existing user base. You know, understand what they want from the product. If they just because your competitors doing something, if you speak to 20, 20 different users at once and they all say no we, we think that this is the best place to go then it, it's the logical decision to go with what your current user base actually wants as opposed yeah. to you know competitors doing it let's just go do it <laughs> i know and any 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 product management book would tell you like just you know, just listen to your customers and you'll be yeah. good or everything will be fine but in reality it's really hard to just you're not going to find that you know throughout all the features you're working on you're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of top-down decisions you're going to have a lot of assumption-based, um, you know, decisions as well, which is okay. I think designers need to be able to navigate with that as well. So you cannot be too idealistic in terms of what you're going to find on a product team. Mm. I think you need to be sure that that's not happening all the time across all the teams, because then your value will be essentially just copying something else or providing a good UI. And uh, that's something that definitely let, would, would make most designers feel like, I'm yeah. motivated, and I, I, that's that's what I say about meaning. Meaning is essentially mm-hmm. like how much value from the my experience on understanding customer pain points and translating that into like business, mm-hmm. uh, re- combining with business requirements and providing good features and good products. Yeah. Uh, that's the meaning a designer is looking for. So yeah, basing yourself like even, even if you hear companies on the interview process, like some people will say we are data driven, we are data driven, we are mm-hmm. uh, research driven. Um, it might be the case. I think they might be slightly informed by those things, um, but it's rare to find a company that would be purely like data driven, like yeah. we only act on what we what we know, mm. or purely research driven. We we talk yeah. to customers every day, and everything we do is based on what we learn yeah. from them. Um, but yeah, I think it's about the balance, and it's yeah. hard to assess that during interviews. Um, when you join a company, you know the reality. Sometimes yeah. you can ask those questions if you have if you have interviews with uh, your future peers. 
those are the people you should ask like how do you how do you see your yeah. work being applied every day so how much yeah. you know problems you are discussing versus solutions um mm. And that's an interesting thing to, to get. Yeah, right. sure. I think it's a completely separate topic in itself, really, isn't it? But, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, back to like a bit more about the retention and why people, why designers tend to leave, um, I'd say more frequently than in other industries, potentially. I think design is getting a bit like engineering now where there's, there is so many opportunities and things like, yeah. and they, they want to leave. Now, something I've heard recently is that um, not too much, but something that I've seen to try and retain people a bit, longer or give them more incentive to stay a bit longer is something like a loyalty bonus or something like that so for people that don't know what one would look like or what one is you stay for a year we will incentivize you by paying you x amount right um so you get you get your basic salary but then you get your loyalty bonus on top so if you stay here for a year you get i don't know five thousand ten ten thousand euros on top of it or something like that now obviously we talk about the fundamentals of retention and generally why people stay at companies and things like that obviously career growth opportunities meaning that's very important but do you think incentivizing someone with money is the right way to go about it i think it's definitely a a important factor um <laughs> so the so i think the at the end of the day, uh, the way that the company can show you that they believe in you, that they believe you you are an important asset to the company, that they believe in your future within the company is just giving you some something back, right? Yeah. Uh, sure. There's other things. There are always other things you can give back. You can provide um, uh, training uh, opportunities. You can provide some internal exposure to more complex pro problems. And I've seen companies relying on that a lot, but at the end, on your salary, nothing changes. Um, mm. And unfortunately, what happens in most companies, I would say 98% of them, it's fairly easy for you to just get a salary, you know, improvement when you just mm. leave the company and join some, something else, yeah, yeah, definitely. which is very unfortunate, right? So if you're, let's say you're still super engaged with the company, let's say you were a good employee, you were, you were doing your work, like you were developing yourself, mm. you provide value to your team. Um, and the company sometimes fails to acknowledge that and to perceive that. And you see so many opportunities popping up. You have some nice recruiters just pinging you on LinkedIn, like, okay, I'm going to hear him out because I'm not yeah. fully happy with my salary. Yeah. Um, I think there's some small things, for example. I think equity is a, it's a debatable thing. I think it's something yeah. you can provide to hmm. sometimes uh, employees that are not so senior. You can start with smaller you know, yeah. packages uh, for equity. But equity is that thing, like you just have to you have to invest in the company so you can get that money back mm. someday. Yeah. Um, but some sort of bonus. I've seen like some things, for example, you do get the most promising um, employees within the company, then create this. We had this thing called Future Leaders Program, which is uh, it's a batch of um, of people that would we would get every year to get access to certain privileges, for example, some yeah, specific sure. training sessions, more expensive mentorship mm. with some professionals, and then you would get additional learning budgets, budgets mm. as well. Um, you get extended budget for learning as well. Mm. Um, but I think, I mean, salary wise, you need to do something about that because yeah. if you don't see yourself improving, the market yeah. is moving very fast. So unfortunately, mm. you need to find the balance. Like, yeah. 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 I've had, I've had many a conversation that very similar to what we just discovered mm. there was that, Unfortunately, the reality is that you are much more likely <coughs> to get a better salary or a better salary increase by leaving your existing job to join somewhere else than you are if you yeah. stay stay where you are and getting incremental salary increases there. Because, as you and, said, a and lot. The, and the sad and the sad part is you might be 
trying to hire someone to replace that person, you might have to pay more. So why not just invest <laughs> exactly, in yeah. someone that is already yeah. good? There's yeah. zero ramp up exactly. time. Already exactly. Producing, right? Yeah, exactly. And how the the time the time that it takes to hire someone new could be three months before you find the right person. You know, yeah. they could they could join realize after three months they're not really happy you know it's nine months a year down the line and then six months probation yeah. in germany so exactly it's a yeah. Really big investment, yeah yeah 100 percent. i completely agree with that um but i think one one loyalty bonus discretion that i've had is how you structure it so i've seen two variants really so either you stay here for a year and then you get ten thousand euros or we will pay you a ten thousand euro sign on bonus straight away however if you leave after you have to pay that money back <laughs> well, now <laughs> what's what's your take on that <laughs> um I, I don't like it that much i think yeah um of course we are uh, i think both so both of them like you might you, you have the risk of just getting someone to stay just because they're waiting for that yeah. money to just you know yeah. be available uh, that's always a risk um I think it depends on the context. If you really desperately need need to find someone, you find someone that is, a, at least from your assessment, is a perfect yeah. person for for the position you're looking for. Offering a, a sign on uh, big bonus and having that caveat of okay, so but if you leave before X amount yeah. of months, you would have to pay back. I think it's fair. Uh, I think it's uh, you're showing like okay, I believe in you. I yeah. trust you can you can do the job. I think you can definitely deliver yeah. what you're promising. Um, but I this is just like a agreement we're making like oh, i mm. trust you i hope you trust us and let's just make it yeah. happen uh yeah. I, yeah it's a tricky one i, I, I don't know exactly yeah. how i would think in real life if i had that situation mm. but it's interesting approach I, I don't know yeah yeah i think i don't i think in every like sector of life there is sometimes never really a perfect answer to it i think there's pros and cons yeah. of doing it either way i think if you incentivize someone by saying yeah stay here you get this at the end of the year it sort of do they just stay there because they want to get it or you know if it also also from the also from the other side you're thinking um like if you're in that situation like oh do i really want to say i'm not really enjoying it but you know I've and also it, 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 dep it. it depends it depends on it depends on the base salary you're offering as well because yeah exactly if you're offering like a shitty pay but you're yeah. adding the bonus as a as a hope for them to to join yeah very risky very risky mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah it depends on that yeah as well. sure now something that's also an issue that I've seen across the board is the the lack of diversity in the projects that people are working on. So, you know, let's say you into designer interviews for for a specific position. You say, oh, right, you know, in the in the next six to six to twelve months, this is the project you're going to be working on. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. That project then comes to an end after that period, and there's not really too much. Maybe it's just about improving that existing feature that they've built or improving the product that they've they've worked on over that period of time. But it's a lot about just sort of maintenance work or just you know adding mm -hmm. a few new features here and there. How much do you think that impacts on designers moving from job from from job to job? Uh, I think a lot, a lot. Yeah. I had a friend uh, telling me the other day it was the same situation. <clears throat> they joined this company. They had a lot of work at the beginning, mm. um, but in their case, I think they had some. They was they were expecting a little bit more investment to to arrive, but it didn't happen. So they couldn't move faster as they were planning to, and she was mostly stuck on this same just tweaking the same feature over and over for mm. a while uh and that drains one's soul for sure like because <laughs> yeah. you don't you don't see much <laughs> happening you just you yeah. know if you're sitting there just looking at your screen there's not much to do like this is this is not good um so mm. i i think again like on the company side if that's something it, it could happen 
just be straightforward and just uh, transparent yeah. on okay so we have this big thing you definitely have worked for six to seven months the best case best case scenario mm -hmm. Uh, and after that, our hope is, let's say we're going to land some more investment. We're going to improve the product even further. There's a lot more features we want to build. Mm. If not, what could happen? So what is your plan B yeah. regarding that specific design? So first of all, should I be concerned with my job? Like, because if you don't have enough demand, I'm just going to be sitting there waiting for you to say like, we don't need that person anymore. Or I have a plan B, which is like, okay, so there's some discovery work that we can put together. There's a few investigations for these future features that we are thinking about. And once we have the investment, that might be something we, we, we're going to be doing. Uh, so there's a few things you can get um, on a designer's plate to get them up and running or moving, uh, even if you don't have like real features coming up. But I would say if, if features are not being shipped, it, it, it's, it, will, it will be tricky to, to retain someone. So... You need to be sure as a company, like, do you really need a full-time designer for this position? Yeah. Or if you know that you have a specific demand for a specific amount of time, just getting a freelancer or someone mm. with a very limited mm. contract, it, that, that's, that's actually, that's the best thing. Like just do a limited contract with that yeah. person, acknowledging that this might end, the work might end. Yeah. And if some, something changes, you then can offer, um, you mm. know, a negotiation of the contract. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think transparency is key there from, from start yeah, to finish. Yeah. I think during interview process, you have to be transparent about those things, which often companies aren't because they want that person to join. So they, you know, they won't be yeah. transparent about those things. And yeah, I think it's just about stage of the company. If the company's a, a large company with lots yeah. of different projects, there is multiple opportunities for them to transfer from project projects after they finish things and, and things like that. <laughs> have, a, have a bit of a choice initially, which one they want to join and, and start working on. But yeah, I think it's about transparency up front. Um, and, and also, also, I think, yeah, I, yeah sorry, no, on, on the designer no side, worries. I think it's important to be open as well to find opportunities yeah. within the company. I've seen, uh, especially if you're working on cross-functional teams, you do have, you, you join the company, you are presented to a team, you get to know, you, you get to build a relationship with them the first six months, seven months, even some friendships on that team. Mm. Uh, you understand the domain, you are, okay, I'm home right now. Um, and then something changes. Let's say that team is no longer, you know, delivering exactly what is the most important thing for the business. I think a designer needs to be very uh, clear to themselves that it's my job to also find the opportunities within the company. Yeah. Because sometimes, especially in smaller companies, they don't see the designer could help on, let's say, adjusting yeah. processes. We are good as well on that. We can understand, like, mm. so, so this is like design, design, service design, design thinking. There's a lot mm. of techniques we can use to, let's say, I've, did that, I've done that in the past. For example, working with customer care teams to improve the way they're collecting feedback from customers. So stuff that are not related to the shipping features mm. to you know the product, yeah. that are also related to design. You can you can dig into those things and find those opportunities yeah. yourself. Yeah, very interesting point. So I think sometimes designers are, are reliant on their company to provide them the opportunities, right? You know, they're yeah. just like, you know, this is drying up now. It's where a two-way street. Yeah, yeah, yeah where do I go next? But great point about, you know, trying to explore different opportunities there in different areas, how you can add value in, in different areas across the business, which is great. Um, last question I just wanted to ask you um, in regards to staying at opportunities for a long time. Now, you've been at HelloFresh for four, four years now, fair to say. Four years. Um, yeah. Now, yeah, across the industry, across the board, four years is a long time, you know, to, to say, especially in tech as a general industry, you know, four years is a long time to stay somewhere. Now, we've covered off most of the main sort of areas why we think, you know, what to do to retain staff and what, what good retention looks like. But what do you think maybe like the key one or two points for your personal experience as to why you have stayed at HelloFresh for so long? Um, to me, I think two points. Um, <clears throat> I think career prospect, I think I... When I joined, I, I, it was so clear to me 
mm. the amount of opportunities that were in front of me, like how many the different amount of things that I could actually do to get this company to to move forward and to thrive. Um, so I was really excited. But in combination of that, I think the company also told me back that okay, we we will acknowledge that you were doing good work and we are going to reward you with you know salary yeah. raises, promotions, and moving you forward, making you more visible, allow, giving you opportunities that are outside of your you know normal day to day work with your mm. squad. Um, so I think the combination of both that that made me very uh, keen to I, I couldn't see myself leaving um, mm. because it's just like the company was in a moment of hyper growth. Yeah. Um, the business itself, it's something that is very easy to fall in love with because it's working with food. I think it's easy to empathize yeah. with customers. Mm. Um, the value that the product provides is very clear as well. Um, so I think on that part, I was, I was done. Normally, products yeah. would have that problem working with stuff that you don't fully believe. Then you have that extra variable to consider. Yeah. You know, in my case, I think working with this, this specific product makes me very excited. But the company was showing me, okay, so I believe that uh, you can do a much better job if you get more opportunities and I'm going to give mm. you opportunities and then it's a, you know, a cycle. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's, that's really important. Uh, being seen and perceived and, and acknowledged, I think that's really is every, all human beings. That's what we want, right? So uh, we want to be appreciated for the work we do. And we also like to be given opportunities. And in my case, my, my biggest opportunity was to engage with other designers and help them to thrive within their careers as well and show the same opportunities that I was I was seeing and sharing with them and getting them excited about those things as well. Um, so yeah, I think HelloFresh provided me all of those things. That's why staying for four years didn't feel like that. Uh, yeah. And also I moved from Brazil to work in this company. So yeah, yeah. I mean, in a way, the company, the company Germany is HelloFresh and HelloFresh is my my new life here. So it's mm. really hard to detach myself from yeah. you know, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I think a lot of the key points we covered there about general attention yeah. is what is why you stay there for long. But it's a, a massive point you made there is you know, it was uh it was a whole new country, a whole new experience, and it was situational based. You know, they were going through a hyper growth phase when you joined. It was a great experience for you. They supported you during that phase as well. Um so yeah. Well look, Glemi, I think we'll wrap it up here, but massively appreciate your time, man. It's been a pleasure having you on. Um, I've loved, loved likewise, hearing Europe. Yeah, yeah, loved hearing Europe. It was European a pleasure, opinions. and uh, I love this initiative. Just keep going and getting, getting yeah. some good people to share. Yeah, for right. sure, for sure. <laughs> um, well, yeah, look to everyone that's watching. Uh, thanks very much for watching. Um, make sure you check out the other episodes that have been recorded so far. Uh, next episode will be recorded shortly and released uh, in the near future too. But yeah, again, Gleme, thanks very much for your time, and uh, speak soon.